Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hey folks, this is Kevin. Just a few words before we start. Well, I've been talking a lot lately about stamps.com. You know, technology recently has really streamlined a lot of the nitty-gritty, the everyday tasks, you know, like banking. You you don't need to go to a teller. You can go online. You can go to a machine. And Stamps.com is that kind of idea. You really and truly never have to go to the post office ever again. If someone of my competence can use it, you can buy and print official U.S. postage right at your own desk from your own computer, your own printer. You get exact postage for any letter or any package. I've been loving it. My producer is using it. My, my webmaster is using it. So right now, use our promo code RISK for this special offer. It's a no-risk trial. You get a $110 bonus offer. That includes the free digital scale and $55 of free postage. Don't wait. Go to Stamps.com before you do anything else. Click on that little radio microphone at Stamps.com. Enter RISK. Now here's the show. This is Extra Risk, where we give you just a little bit more of the show where people tell true stories they never thought they'd dare to share. I'm Kevin Allison, and this is Ghost Prom behind me now. We're calling today's episode Everybody Naked, because it's my show. And I love situations where everybody's naked. 
You know how you always hear people say, oh man, you go to the nudist beach or the nude, you know, retreat sort of thing, and the guy you're going to end up running into first is not a guy you want to see naked. It's going to be, you know, a guy who's <laughs> middle-aged and kind of out of shape and dorky looking. Well, folks, one day I woke up and I realized I am that guy now. <laughs> and I might as well come clean about it. I might as well wear it like a badge of honor because spending my time amidst the nudies is a hell of a lot more fun than spending it at the gym. So back off, motherfuckers. That man is me. Our first story comes to us from someone who oh, I would guess most people would be plenty happy to see approaching <laughs> on the nudie beach. She came into my part. I had never even talked to her on the phone, but she came over. She told three amazing stories, and by the time she left, I was smitten. Allison Moon can be found at talesofthepack.com. She's a sex educator. She does a lot of writing about lesbian werewolves, like you do. Her book, Lunatic Fringe, is out now, and the sequel will be out in 2013. This is Allison Moon with a story we call Foxy Ladies. I was invited to tell a story for this storytelling event in San Francisco called Body Storytelling. The theme was girl on girl. And because I'm kind of a notable queer, uh, Dixie, the, the woman who runs the event, asked me to tell a story. And immediately I said yes. I love telling stories at this event. And so I said yes before I knew if I had a story. And so I decided that I didn't have anything. And if I was going to tell a story, I needed to come up with something fast. So I decided to throw a ridiculous lesbian orgy. I had never read The Secret before, but I'm pretty sure I know how it works. Like living in California, you kind of pick it up. So I think it's that you like declare an intention powerfully and then the universe, you know, reciprocates. And so I sent out the invitation and not five minutes after I send this invitation, I hear a voice from downstairs calling up, Allison, hey, it's my roommate, Lydia. She says, hey, um, my mom's staying here this weekend. That's cool, right? And immediately I say, no, no, it's not cool. I'm throwing a ridiculous lesbian orgy this weekend. No, your mom can't stay. But then I hear a voice in my head saying, Allison, you called this into being. You can't just send it away. And so I say, actually, you know what, Lydia? Yes, your mom can stay here this weekend. That seems like a perfectly rational response to my invitation. <laughs> I send out the invitation on a Tuesday. And on Friday night, my apartment is filled with 25 half-naked women. And I already consider this a success, right? Like, that happened. Um... And immediately the ridiculous just starts happening. We have Hitachi races to see who, who can come the fastest with Hitachi magic wands, the Cadillac of vibrators. Uh, we have 
Hitachi Jeopardy, which is really hard to do. You're vibing off and trying to conjugate French verbs at the same time. It's not easy. So that was interesting, but not really story worthy. And if you've ever been to an orgy, you know that there are kind of a couple of like energy flows that happen, right? The first hump, right, happens really soon after people kind of show up. Everybody's really nervous and excited, and people are just kind of going a little bit crazy and trying to like get the party started. So that happens usually pretty early. And then there's like a lull, right? And then later, another peak happens when everybody's finally asking for what they really want and finally screwing the people they really want to screw. That's usually like around 2 a.m. when people start realizing that they actually have to go home eventually. So it's like 1.45, right? The energy is just ramping up to that and we can start feeling that we're something's going to happen. So my friend, somewhat of a furry, decides that she wants to have a fox hunt. And she's British, and it's the night before the royal wedding, so we're all feeling a little bit sentimental about Britain. So we're like, yeah, let's do a fox hunt. So she explains the rules in this perfect British accent. So we're going to have some hunters, and we're going to have some hound dogs, and there's going to be a hunt mistress who leads the hunt. And as she's explaining the rules, my friend shrieks, oh my god, wait! And she runs to her bag, and she pulls out a bunch of animal hats. And she's got a panda bear, and she's got a tiger, and she's got a fox, and she's got a wolf. I have a thing for wolves. I wrote a book about lesbian werewolves. It seemed perfectly legitimate that I should be a wolf in this fox hunt. So I put on that hat, and I start feeling the furry energy move through me. I am starting to get into it, right? And so at some point, she tells us also to put on strap-ons, right? Because whoever wins, whoever finds the fox, gets to fuck the fox. So we all have to be ready to fuck the fox. So we're starting to get whipped up, right? She's explaining, like, in the real fox hunt, you when you find the fox, you cut off its tail and stamp your forehead with its blood, right? And we're like, ooh, none of us signed up for blood play. This is not okay at this orgy. And she says, no, when you find me, you're going to rip the bandana out of my panties, and then you're going to fuck me. And we say, oh, okay, yeah, totally. We can totally do that. That sounds perfect. So we're all starting to get whooped up, right? So we've got the, we're making the noise, and I'm like, doing my full-on hound dog thing. Huge racket. People are watching. People are laughing. We're making all sorts of noise. We're getting really ramped up, right? And then as we're doing the, in walks my roommate with her mother. And so we're in this like, hi. We all kind of wave like kids at a slumber party. And Lydia's mom walks in. She kind of takes in the scene. She says, okay, hi, okay, all right. She walks to the kitchen, grabs a beer, and walks into the guest room, closes the door, and that is the last we see of her for the night. So she closes the door, and we're like, okay, right back in. So we sound the trumpet, and Foxy gets a head start. And now, like, my loft, I live in a loft. It's kind of big, but it's not, like, English countryside big. So she gets, like, a five-second lead, but we are right behind her, right? So we all start chasing after her, and the hunt mistress is getting into it. Hunt mistress Bunny Rabbit. She's got her little bunny ears on, and she's leading the charge. So she runs into my partner's office and sniffs. We're all getting into it a lot. We're kind of 
feeling the, the vibe. And so she sniffs. We look. Very quiet. Creeping. She's not in the office. Then we run into the living room upstairs, and we kind of sniff around, look around. <laughs> Listen. Nothing. And then we creep towards my bedroom door. And we're standing in the door frame. All of the animals. And we hear a little rustling. And then all of a sudden, Foxy bursts from my hamper and an explosion of my dirty underwear leaps onto my bed. And Bunny Rabbit is right there. And she grabs her by the wrist and she drags her to the floor. And I just let my hound dog instincts guide me. And I just sack her really hard around the waist and pull her onto the floor. And she is fighting me off. She is kicking and screaming and biting and scratching. And everybody's screaming, flip her over, flip her over, flip her over. And so I flip her over so that she's face down on top of me. Her face is buried in my tits. And I foist her ass into the air. And Bunny Rabbit grabs the bandana from her panties, holds it defiantly above her head, and then throws it to the ground. And then with her other hand, reaches onto my bureau, pulls down a condom, and rolls it on to her strap-on. And at this point, I realize, oh my god, this is a gangbang. And so, Foxy is buried in my tits, and Bunny Rabbit lives up to her namesake and gives it to her really, really good. And she's still fighting the whole time, by the way. And all I can see of her, I've got big tits, and... She's wearing this fox animal hat, and all I can see of her is this little fox face staring up at me from this hat, and these little mendicant eyes, and I'm thinking, this is amazing. <laughs> this is my story. <laughs> so Bunny Rabbit gives it to her really good, and then it's Blondie's turn. Blondie gives it to her really good, and then it's Tiger's turn, and Tiger gives it to her really good, and right around the time that Tiger is giving it to her, Foxy finally starts to relax into this experience. <laughs> And so she's kind of rolling with it, and she's still on top of me, and I'm kind of rocking, lying on top of my, a pile of my dirty underwear, just kind of getting a nice massage on my back from all the fucking that's happening right on top of me. And then it's Panda Bear's turn. And Panda Bear really is having a good time. Something about the way the harness is just hits her in all the right spots, and she is having far more fun than I think anybody else at that orgy. She's loving this. And again, Foxy's still buried in my tits, and so all I can see of her is that fox face staring up at me, and then cresting over her shoulder is a little panda face. <laughs> That's all I can see over her shoulder. So I'm watching this go down, and I think the secret works, right? Like, I declared that I wanted to have a ridiculous lesbian orgy on a Tuesday. And on a Friday, I have my friend has a furry scene and is getting completely reamed by five women wearing animal hats. And honestly, honestly, I think The Secret has more power than I thought because I got a panda to mate in captivity. And I consider that a success. Whoever finds the fox... Guess who fucked the fox? It's a good thing I saved my last year's Halloween costume. <laughs> and I thought this was gonna be a dull day.
this risk. Uh, this band is called Bondo, I think Bondarole? The song's called Band, the Bang? Oh, fuck me. Oh, <laughs> no, sorry, that, that, was a, that was just a forceful request. The song is called Bang. Hey, we tried something new. We asked on Facebook uh, if anyone has any stories that involve being naked because of this episode. And we got a lot of great stories, but this uh, Risk fan, Daniel R., is my favorite. He wrote, I was once nearly caught having sex by my mother and her friend. So I quickly dressed. I walked out to the living room to greet my mom's friend. She was seated, and I spoke with her with my still erect penis sticking out of my shorts. In her line of sight, my girlfriend was trying to get my attention the entire time. Daniel, you know as well as we do, your mom's friend was doing everything she could in that moment not to drop to her knees and start gargling with your balls. <laughs> Thanks to everyone who wrote to us at Facebook. Remember, on Facebook and Twitter, we're at Risk Show. Go over there and get in on the conversation. All right, our next story comes to us from our uh, the show we did recently in Albany, New York. And if you are from anywhere near there, we want to keep doing shows there because we've had so much fun there. So if you want to tell a story at the next Risk Show in Albany, go to the submissions page at risk-show.com. There's lots of helpful tips on how to pitch us a story. And you can take it from me. Submission it's a lot more fun than it looks. Get it? The wonderful Dave Hill tells our next story. Uh, he has a new book called Tasteful Nudes, and that is exactly what we call his story. So here is Dave Hill with a story that, as you might recall my saying seven seconds ago, we call Tasteful Nudes. I want to tell a story about what it's a, was a huge milestone in my life. Um, and backing it up uh, a little bit, I have never been entirely comfortable with nudity, at least not my own anyway. Like, I live alone, but I can't get myself to sleep naked ever, even though I hear it's great, like very breezy and... <laughs> Just great. It's great. Everyone says it's great, but I can't get myself to do it. I can't use the bathroom with the door open, even though that's, that's my, well within my rights to do that. But I can't. And when it comes to other people's nudity, like I, it's, I'm all for it. It's like, bring it on. I love it. And um, even ever since I was a little kid, like going on like family trips, I grew up in Cleveland. Thank you. Uh, and my family, like five kids and parents, we would go drive to all these vacation destinations for people who don't tan easily, like New Hampshire, Vermont, basically the woods, wooded areas we would go to. And the whole time I would think like, oh, I hope we stumble upon a nudist colony. That would be great for me. Uh, it never happened. But, and then, you know, growing up going to the dentist or the doctors, I would always just pray, like, that someone on the staff slipped up and left, 
like a Playboy in the magazine rack. I thought, like, statistically speaking, it's bound to happen. Because it seemed like they were just getting these ma- random magazines from everywhere. I'm like, one day this has to work out. I'm going to hit pay dirt. And that actually did happen. Um, not at a doctor's office. Like, 10 years ago, I was in Chicago, and a friend, I had a friend who worked at Playboy with their editorial offices are there. And he's like, Dave, do you want to come along? And I was like, yeah. And... Uh, and I went, and you're never going to believe it. You walk into the lobby the, of Playboy, and guess what they have everywhere is Playboy magazines. I was like, oh, my God, this is it. I've waited my whole life for this. But it's, it was sort of like bittersweet. It's sort of like when a cat finally catches a mouse, and it's like, I don't know. Uh, like it was, just felt like I didn't work hard enough for it. So that wasn't that great. And then, like, other, other little things. Like, I went to the beach once when I was a kid, and, like, this girl's top got knocked off by the waves like that was pretty cool but aside from like that and the playboy office like i'd never really felt like i really got what i was looking for in the nudity department my whole life aside from like you know occasional dates poor judgment or whatever but like like full just like shitloads of naked people what i'm looking for and then finally everything worked out a few couple years ago i got a call from uh, this public radio show that's no longer on the air called Fair Game, they said, you know, we want someone to cover this thing called Clothing Optional Dinners. And we talked to everyone, people on our staff, and we talked to a lot of people not on our staff about doing it. No one wanted to do it at all. But then your name came up, and we thought, and I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll do whatever. Yeah, I'll do it. <laughs> and uh, these Clothing Optional Dinners, as it turns out, r- almost no one exercises the option to wear clothes at dinner. And they have these dinners. Normally, they're like in the back of a restaurant, like in a banquet room or something with, you know, chairs that wipe down easily or whatever. (laughs) But on the night that I was going to go, it was going to be on this boat, like a a little cruise ship that was sort of wending its way around the sexy waters of New York City. And my great grandfather was a sea captain. So I was like, this is my destiny. Like naked people. I mean, see, like I was born to be on that boat. And I was like, let's go. Like now. And uh, so they send me out there. And they send me out there with this guy from the station who's going to record everything. And, but I didn't feel comfortable. Like, oh, naked cruise is just me and another dude. Like, I just wasn't secure enough on my masculinity. So I talked to my friend Lucy into coming. And I was like, she wasn't into it. But I was like, oh, there'd be a nice buffet. I'd be good. And, but she still wasn't. Anyway, she came along. And we get there, and like we park the car. The boat is, I can see it in the distance. I can see just these swatches of bare flesh like moving in the, like the little adorable little boat windows that they had. And I'm like, this is going to be so great. And then we get up closer to the boat, and this guy comes off, he's the brains behind the operation, this guy Ron, and he comes out like totally naked, and his build is sort of like a lopsided potato with four toothpicks sticking out of it. Like he's got like the, a gut here, and then another gut starts up again. I don't even want to know after that. And he comes out and he's like, hello, ahoy, whatever. And um, then I'm like, this is probably like an eyes wide shut scenario where I'll like... You know, it's all like old dudes, but all the women are still like smoking hot, right? I'm like, that's got to be how it is in my brain. And uh, he's like, come on aboard. And like, we're going to take off as soon as everyone gets situated. And as I learned in Ron's vocabulary, situated meant pantsless. Uh, so he's just like, yeah, everyone's going to take close. And we get off, we get uh, on the boat, and it ends up being not 
all the hot naked ladies. I thought it was like everyone, like everyone was kind of in their forties, fifties, or sixties, and 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 it's just a sea of like pasty white flab and like graying pubic hair and cellulite and everything. And there's like thirty people, and Ron's like. Oh, usually we have a bigger group, but I group, but I think the rain has kept some people away, and I want to just be like, "Are you sure about that, Ron?" And uh, anyway, so we get on there, and I'm just like, "All right, I just gotta power through here," and I and I take my shirt off because I'm literally meeting them halfway, and and I think like they'll be into that, and they were like, "What? What's that? That's nothing, Dave." And uh, and they're sort of suspicious of me because Ron's told them all I'm a reporter, and so. I'm getting, like, asking Ron to tell me, like, what are the rules? Like, how does this work? He's like, first rule is no hot soup. And he really got a kick out of that. The joke being, uh, you know, you, you fry your genitals uh, if there's hot soup. So I wanted to say, like, Ron, you should make T-shirts with that. But then I was like, ah, that's pointless. Uh, and the other rule is you have to put a towel down on all the chairs. Everyone has their own towel. This is, I guess, so Ron gets his deposit back. And, but then the obvious question in my mind, I was like, Ron, like, what about erections? Are those frowned upon or not so much? And he's like, well, if you had get one, you should uh, excuse yourself discreetly. And I was like, all right, good to know. And um, so and then he sets me loose and uh, I start talking to people. I meet Ron's wife, Sheila, and she comes up. And uh, again, like most of these people are probably reasonably attractive with clothes on, but it was more a testament that most people should never be naked anywhere. And uh, she's just like, I don't know what she had, it's like she, her, it's like she had a snow-covered ghillie suit on. Don't you know what that is? It's like, and it's not important, you can look it up. And she's like, well, these are great. It's like totally non-sexual. I always like to say I've never had so many people look me in the eye before. And I'm thinking like, Sheila, that's about survival more than anything. It's just... And anyway, so I'm talking to people and they know I'm a reporter. I have my shirt off and everything. And I'm thinking like, they're going to be into that. They're not into that. It's like I, I might as well be wearing a tux or something. They're, and they're, giving me, they're all giving me this party line like... No, this is not sexual at all. This is about being uh, in a group with like-minded individuals who share uh, an interest in being in a natural state. And I'm like, all right, all right. And, uh, and everyone's saying this, and they're just like, no, this is not, don't, no, no, this is not sexual at all. And then there's this one guy who's wearing uh, like a track suit, like just the jacket, and then a baseball hat, and I'm like, <laughs> why are you wearing a jacket and hat? And he's like, oh, I'm cold. And I was like, well, is just the top half of you cold? And he's like, no, I'm cold all over. I'm like, why don't you cover up your, your, your junk? And he's like, he's like, well, I, I don't... And I was like, because you just... This is, a, that's, this is what it's about. It's about having your goods out in front of other people, right? And he's like, no. I'm like, well, then why, aren't you, why wouldn't you wear pants and no shirt? Like, this just doesn't make sense. Like, that's not the obvious choice. When warming up, it's like, oh, I'll leave the nuts out, but I'll cover. Anyway, Ron rings the dinner bell. So this guy's literally saved by the bell. And there's a buffet on this thing. And it's like, it's a reasonable buffet. Like if you went to like kind of a shitty wedding, it would be like bow tie pasta and like some salad and like, I don't know, some fish or whatever. And like, and it looks like pretty good, but there's not only not a sneeze guard, but more importantly, there's not like a, Hud guard or whatever and like people are just going right up to this like dangerous like right 
burners, gas. Like, one guy swears dunked right in the vinaigrette. And it's just, like, horrifying. Like, they're just going, but I was, like, hungry, so I was like, ah, fuck it. And pie on my plate high, and I'm just eating, I'm hanging out. And, like, but still people are, like, really guarded about me. And, but meanwhile, my friend Lucy is the only closed person in, in the place. And, like, so she's exotic to them. Like, when they're like, what, tell us more about this world you live in. And they're just taught, they love her. And she's not asking any questions either. So they're getting along great with her. So we finished dinner, and I'm like, well, I'm not really having the best time on the naked boat. Like, it's not really everything I'd hoped it would be. So then we finished dinner. And there's an upper deck on this boat with like a dance floor and everything. And it's very breezy. And I head up there with about half the group and I start drinking a little bit. And I'm buying some drinks for my naked friends and stuff. And they're, you know, they're loosening up a tiny bit. And they're sort of like, Dave, why don't you try, why don't you just take your pants off, see how you feel? And I'm like, no, I'm good, I'm good. <laughs> but then, and then like, they're, they're like, come on, just do it for, if you don't like it, you put your pants back on. It's no, no big deal. I'm like, so eventually, like, a few drinks, you know, are, like, Donna Summer's playing. And I'm just like, all right, I'll take my pants off. I'll do it. And then I'm in my boxers, but they're, it's still meaningful. They're like, Dave, what is your, your boxers on? Like, it's like I have water wings on or whatever. They're just not into it at all. And, like, finally, but, you know, I'm just like, oh, all right. And I figure I can't. There's no way I'm going to be the worst-looking naked person at this thing. So I'm like, all right, I'll just do it. You know, I'm a, for research purposes, I, you know, <laughs> I'll just do it. And then finally, so I take off, and they're like around, it's like that scene in Rosemary's Baby or something. Everyone's like gathering around me. And I take my underwear off, fully naked, and right away, like, everyone's eyes are on, like, my, my crotch just, like, practically burst into flames <laughs> with the stares and everything. I'm like, I busted all of you. You're all looking at my crotch. And they were like, yeah, Dave, what'd you think we were going to do? And I'm like, what, what, you all said that you didn't do that. That wasn't, wasn't about it. And they're like, well, yeah, we kind of we do. We're going to take a look. And, and so we start walking around and, you know, and I'm, I'm, the, the breeze is kind of nice. And I'm like, oh, it's not too bad, actually. And there was a, a writer from the New York Times on the boat, this guy, and he had brought this photographer, this like beautiful young woman. She's, and I'm like, oh, and she ends up being up there too, and she's taking pictures. And then I'm like, oh, shit, like the New York Times photographer totally can see me naked. And then I'm like, oh, cool, the New York Times photographer can tell, like, I'm really conflicted, but I'm like, I kind of get this. Like, I'm kind of weirdly kind of into that she can see me naked. And then I'm like, maybe I'm fully one of them. And we're talking, and then more we're talking, like, the gloves, once I was naked, the gloves were off. Like, people were just like, oh, yeah, we met at a swingers group, and we now we come to this thing, this other woman's like, I step on testicles for a living. And, uh... <laughs> Just on and on. It's just a free-for-all. Everyone's just like, oh, yeah. And, like, I could say whatever I wanted, ask whatever I wanted, and be like, just matter of fact, like, oh, it was this woman with no hair on her vagina. I'd be like, oh, I noticed you don't have any hair on your vagina. She's like, no, it's been this way for, like, six years. You should try it. And then this guy would be like, yeah, Dave, you should. I'm like, well, shut up. And... <laughs> And, um, you know, so anyways, I'm starting to have, like, kind of a good time on the naked boat. And then finally another bell rings, and it's fucking Ron again. And he's, you know, it's time they're, like, the, the ship is heading into shore. And so we all kind of, mar I put my boxers on because my friend Lucy's down there. I didn't want her to, you know, get a show or anything. So we go down there, and then 
everyone, the mood starts to darken. Everyone, you know, and we, it's pull, the boat is pulling up, and everyone's like pulling their clothes on, like slaves, just like refastening their own shackles. So it's like, ah, everyone's like getting all, you know, bitchy and everything. <laughs> And we and we get onto the shore and like and I start seeing a lot of you know just regular people that hadn't been on the sexy boat like I had been on and I wanted to be like you guys you're never gonna believe what just happened like total strange I'm like everyone had their nuts out and boobs and butts and yeah and all this stuff and then brother's like oh, I should play it cool and um and then so finally you know where everyone's wearing their clothes and and you know it's weird cuz we're all just sitting there with our clothes on now and no one knows how to deal with it and uh we you know exchange cards with people like oh thank you thank you and uh and then a couple weeks later i get this email from from this woman the testicle stepper on her woman <laughs> and she's like hey dave it was really great meeting you on the nude cruise like and, you know, but I, I'm part of this polyamory group. Like, we go out to the beach and get naked and just sort of pair off and then pair off again. And, like, I don't know, I was kind of thinking it would be kind of cool if you came along, you know, uh, for that sometime, Dave. And that was two years ago. <laughs> and I swear I think about it every day. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> for this week folks uh this is little talks by of monsters and men behind me now hey uh don't forget to go see sleepwalk with me in theaters uh it is put out by ifc films you can find it at ifcfilms.com that's from our dear friend mike Berbiglia, tremendous tremendously talented storyteller and lots of wonderfully talented people working on that film that is ifcfilms.com it is called Sleepwalk With Me. On September 23rd, 2012, Risk is live in Los Angeles with Kamau Bell, Maria Bamford, Steve Agee, Beowulf Jones, and myself. That's part of the Riot Festival. On the 25th, we are at Nerd Melt with Aubrey O'Day. And on the 27th, we're back in New York with a big lineup of some of the biggest uh, storytelling names in the New York City scene. Always go to risk-show.com slash tour to find out about our live shows. Over at thestorystudio.org, I am teaching a one-day storytelling for business workshop on October 7th. 
And with that, there's just one more thing to say. Folks, today's the day. Take a risk. You're gone, gone, gone away. I watch you disappear. All that's left is a ghost of you. Now it's torn, torn, torn apart. There's nothing we can do. Just let me go and meet again soon. Now wait, wait, wait for me. Please hang around. I'll see you when I fall asleep. Hey! Don't listen to the word I say. Hey! The screams all sound the same. Hey! Though the truth may vary, this ship will carry our bodies safe to shore. Though the truth may vary, this ship will carry our bodies safe to shore. I'd like you bearer and bearer by the minute. So bear down on the poop deck and buttress my pinnacle. Well, blow me down. <laughs>